Alright guys, welcome to uh, the Souls-like episode of uh, Eldar Talks Games Industry. I'm joined by Von Hyde, and today we're talking about the formation and history and future of Souls-like games. Von, uh, how are you doing, man? How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. I'm super excited to do this episode. I've been looking forward to it ever since we decided to do it at the end of like last uh, last month's episode. And I love Souls-like games. I'm not going to say I'm good at them. I'm not going to say that I have. And this is probably a revelation for some people knowing that I'm bad at video games. But I've never actually beaten <laughs> a Souls-like game. But damn, they're amazing. I love them so much. I play them constantly. I can just never actually summon the uh the like strength to beat them i definitely had i definitely had a renaissance with souls like games souls like games i think between i would say 2011 to 2017 um jumped into demon souls and then jumped into all three major uh souls games and then on to bloodborne and then i played what we're talking about with this episode i played a lot of souls likes and uh, that's something that I think um, I've, I've wanted to talk about in podcast form for quite a while. Um, so I just want to jump in really quick, um, say that, uh, you know, thanks for being on the show. And I'm sorry that uh, Soul Slice games are too difficult for you. I would like to also <laughs> extend the invitation to the uh, Get Good Club. Um, it has a membership fee of uh, Scrubs. You're scrubby. And uh, yeah, what is it about them? Is it because is it like I am actually genuinely curious because I think there was there was a couple I gave up on, but there were more souls likes rather than the actual like from software catalog. What is it about them that kind of kind of halts you? Like, is it uh, is it the pure difficulty or is it the repetitive nature or is it the going back and forth, back and forth like roguelike thing? Honestly, it's not necessarily anything that's wrong with the games. It's that I will get like super into them. I will make a new character. I like recently I loved playing Dark Souls 3 so much and I got really into it. And then stuff comes up to where I have to take like a break from it. So like I started multiple other podcasts and I have less time to do that. And I'm also like playing indie games for indie pod. So I start to do those and then like trying to come back to it, it has such an intense difficulty curve where I have to like get mm. back into the groove of playing my character. And I was, I also have to like try to remember the map layout. Like currently in Dark Souls 3 on my PS4, I'm uh, about to fight the Deacons of the Deep, but I like, I'm barely actually into the Cathedral of the Deep. And it's so fucking annoying. There's that stupid ass giant that keeps walloping me. There's a mimic chest. Like, there's so much that <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just like, there are so many difficult enemies in this one place that I'm going to have to just devote some time to getting back into the combat and the flow of Dark Souls because it's very unique. There's not many games that make you feel like you do when you play Souls-like, and you have to have really, really fast reflexes for the most part to play them. So it's kind of like, mm -hmm. it's just getting back into the groove that is like that that like hurdle to get back into them. It's definitely difficult. I would say that if you haven't, you know, if, if you go maybe a year or two and just kind of jump into like an end game um, save file of either like Souls 1, 2, 3 or Bloodborne or something like that, you're definitely like, oh, because there's, you know, there's obviously a very crucial and deep metagame that falls, you know, that each of those games have. Um, 
but but more so, I guess pivoting over to the history of FromSoft. Um, earlier, you know, before we were uh, before we started recording, you had mentioned Kingsfield, and you um, also mentioned Shadow Tower. Um, I have not had the pleasure of visiting either of those games, but I know that Kingsfield. I've seen gameplay on YouTube, and I know it came out on PS One. I believe in Japan. I don't think it came out in North America, but I'm not 100% sure. But what I am 100% sure of is FromSoft has actually been around for for quite a while. Um, Right now, they're based out of uh, Tokyo, Japan. But uh, they started business uh, in 1986, which was a really long time. And one thing that I always found interesting about them was that they went approximately almost 10 years, eight, nine, 10 years before they actually released Kingsfield. So they had set up, I think, uh, I, I don't know what they were doing for that eight to 10 years, but, but either way. So um, did you ever play Shadow Tower? Can you talk about it a little bit or should we just go ahead and move on to Armored Core and stuff like that? I've I've honestly I've never played a lot of from software's like older games. The most part the the biggest reasons that I wanted to bring up Kingsfield and Shadow Tower Shadow Tower Abyss um is actually that how different from software has thought about video games for the longest time. Like Armored Core might be a little bit different because it's more like open-ended and less hyper difficult and super like lore intensive. I mean, some people might disagree with that, but that's just how I feel about it. But Mm. like, Way back when, in the 90s, when everyone else in Japan, like these larger companies in Japan, were making games like uh, the Dragon Quest series and the Final Fantasy series mm-hmm. that are these long, like, turn-based RPGs with super deep fantasy and lore, From Software instead was like, fuck that, we're not going to make this, like this isometric it's traditional JRPG. Instead, we're going to make a first-person dungeon crawler that has ridiculously hard combat. Like they followed those things. And then uh, they, they did these like small things to, to set themselves apart from the standard JRPG, this JRPG formula. And they later brought those same things, those, those same hallmarks of their gameplay with Kingsfield and shadow tower. They brought those into uh, Dark Souls, because from what I understand, like Dark Souls, the or Demon Souls and Dark Souls initially were not doing super well uh, for the most part. Like I think Demon Souls, the um, the development of it wasn't going along swimmingly until Miyazaki came in. It was either mm-hmm. Demon Souls or Dark Souls, but once he came in and he brought up these like these core tenets of like difficulty and in-depth lore and really taking these games seriously then they started to completely change so the reason i really Mm -hmm. wanted to talk about them is to show that like from software didn't just start making games that are different from every other game in the genre uh when demon souls and dark souls came out they began that in the 1990s and they made like a couple hits to seemingly make money and to like (laughs) to kind Mm -hmm. of like uh, keep uh, like shareholders at bay and then they came back to it and made these massive hits because people are just clamoring for something different in their games they it's interesting that they have had such like a storied like they've had a really interesting development cycle um, a couple games that I think a lot of people forget about that I really enjoyed on PlayStation 2 
um, were uh, Eternal Ring and Evergrace. Eternal Ring, it was that uh, it was that P- it was that really close to launch PS2 game, or I think it actually may have come out at launch. But Eternal Ring was this like spiritual successor to Kingsfield, his first person, uh, very like Bard's Tale sort of thing. And Evergrace was a super wonky um, third person game where you, I guess, you kind of played as this very strange polygony and like anime character. And it was in that like same vein of like PS2 game as, and I don't know if I'm going to like deep in the well here, but there was a game called Orphan Scion of Sorcery that came out around that time. And it was like third person-y and like, you kind of like threw stuff with like, you, you like threw magic and like, it was very like equipment based. And I thought Evergrace was really cool because it was, I think it was like one of the first games I ever saw in PS2 where equipping something actually changed the geometry and like the physical appearance of the character. But that game, oh my God, it was, it was, it was pretty broken. I think I remember. Um, after that, they went on to uh, publish Tenchu Wrath of Heaven. I don't know if you played that one, but uh, I think that one came out on Wrath of Heaven was PS2. The red cover, it was like a red and like kind of yellowy cover, brutal, super hard game. And then um, I remember seeing the box art for this in GameStops, the Lost Kingdom games on GameCube. Can't say I ever played them, though. I'm sure they're great. Then obviously they went on to um, Armored Core and then we got Demon Souls. I did not know that Demon Souls had a tough development cycle. I can kind of see that. It's kind of their first foray into this new style, this new genre of game. But yeah, I also remember that it wasn't until I think Hidetaka Miyazaki came onto the forefront where the game started seeing like international success. And then in 2011, they released Dark Souls. And uh, that, that really put them on the map, you know? Um, before we were recording, or I think it might have been a couple days ago, you said you hadn't really played Dark Souls 1, but uh, I guess I'll open up the discussion. How far in to Dark Souls 1 did you get? Uh, did you like it? Did you not like it? Would you keep playing it? What's uh, what's the deal with Dark Souls 1 for you? I honestly, I, I really like a lot of the, the Demon Souls is probably the only one I haven't played and people have told me that it's like so freaking difficult and I'm excited to play it if there's like a possible Blue Point uh, remaster or reimagining of it. I think that'll be amazing. Hopefully. Um, yeah, that's that's sadly just a rumor, but hopefully it happens. Um, but mm. then... Like Dark Souls, I actually got into the the Dark Souls series because a friend of mine was a massive fan. He fell in love with them and he let me have like his copy of Dark Souls around the time that Dark Souls 2 came out. So I started playing and I initially made a thief like thinking that I like I enjoyed agility. I enjoyed being like fast paced and everything. But it's so interesting how Dark Souls kind of teaches you who you truly are in video games. You can always try to change up your like your your gameplay style. But in a sense, you always come back to where it feels like home. And for me, I realized in that moment, I'm not fast. I don't have these like excessively fast reflexes. I'm not good at parrying, which is something you have to really, really focus on in these souls like games. And so I found like my love of like subtle tanking um, in these games and like gigantic shields. And I love the aesthetic of them. I think they look so awesome. 
And so Dark Souls kind of taught me that. And Dark, the original Dark Souls, I haven't got too deep into it. I've beaten a couple bosses. Um, I met uh, the the Sun Knight, the whole like praise the Sun guy. I don't know his name. Sorry, I'm that guy. But praise um, the Sun. Yeah, <laughs> um, I haven't gotten too deep into it, but I really want to. I'm just waiting for the Dark Souls remaster to actually go on sale on Steam, and I'm gonna snatch that bitch up, and I'm gonna play so much of it because it's so so janky on PS3. It's almost impossible for me to play it, but I'm going to play it. On would PC. you ever would you ever consider getting it on Switch? Um, I've thought about it, but honestly. It's kind of weird. Like, since I've decided to switch to PC as my main console, I, like, no longer mm. actually want to play my consoles. I, like, I'm wanting to oh. rebuy these games on PC because, like, when I was younger, I learned how to drive a car in an automatic. And then once I learned how to drive a manual, it was so much more fun and it took so much more time and effort mm. to learn how to do that that like PC gaming is the exact same thing for me where it's like now that I've switched to PC gaming and it's so much different, like keyboard and mouse is so different that I no longer want to play games with a uh, controller unless it's specifically required. Um, yeah, it's just, I no longer actually want to play console games. So I, I don't think I'll get it on switch. I honestly rarely touch my switch, which is kind of depressing. Well, if by some stroke of, of fate uh, you decide to get it on Switch, let me know because I'd be more than happy to play with you. You know, um, I never got a PC. Um, well, I never got a gaming PC. So I always feel a little bit left out of the conversation. And I always end up feeling very, like, you know, happy for my friends that end up getting PCs. I know you bought yours with your stimulus Trump bucks, which I'm happy for. <laughs> I'm glad you did that because that's great. And I want everyone to know that you only have it because of your stimulus Trumpy bucks. <laughs> yeah, basically. But, I, I was planning on buying it anyway, but once I got the stimulus checks, I was like, ah, yeah. fuck it. I'll just, I'll finish it off. Oh, dude, I love it. No, that's fine. I I think I just hoarded my 1200 but um I, I i no you know what no i didn't i bought a whole bunch of games moving on um so you know i actually i actually kind of got my start with souls games um it was definitely demon souls i, I randomly just kind of picked it up from gamestop because i saw the cover looked really cool it was kind of like this like slumped overnight and i started playing it and the game I don't know. It was, it's really weird playing a new genre for the first time because, you know, you kind of grasp it pretty quickly. You saw that it was a third person game. You had a sword. It kind of had a pretty simple UI to navigate. But then the difficulty spike happened because I'll never forget the first time, much like in Dark Souls, actually, with the um, uh, Undead Parish in in Demon Souls. And I, I'm probably getting these names confused, which is fine. I don't care. Um <laughs> In Demon Souls, one of the first areas you walk into is this very linear, like top of the castle gate path. And there's no way you could know. You walk maybe like 10 steps, a dragon swoops down, murders you. And I'm like, what? Because, and then it spawns me back. And I was like, wait, so now I know that the dragon killed me, right? That's fine. So I go back there, the dragon kills me again. And just then my brain does this thing where it's like, oh, Okay, so every single time I step foot here, the game design is actually that it's just going to repeat the same things. And then slowly but surely, I started learning the enemy placements were um, 
it was like the winding of a clock. You can revisit like two or 3 PM and everything's going to be exactly the same, but it's not going to wipe away the progress of noon or 1 PM. So I was like, Oh, okay, cool. So it was like this new style of gameplay that is, I think it's, I think it's so interesting because it does the exact same thing. And I don't know what the vocabulary is for this, but in let's say super Mario world, right? You're playing that for the first time. You're six years old. Um, you turn on your SNES or SNES, whoever the fuck, I don't give a shit. Uh, you jump and then the Goomba, or like you run at the Goomba and the Goomba kills you. And you're like, what? It does the same thing where it like teaches you without telling you. It's awesome. There's no dialogue boxes that pop up in Demon's Souls. It's just, it kills you. And you're like, what? It's that level of like teach by showing game design that I think makes legendary games. I've said it before. I'm saying it now and I'll say it forever. That's how a genre is born. I think that's really cool. And, um, you know, you probably experienced that at some point too with Dark Souls. I mean, I feel like that's uh, that's one of what you brought up, like the the teaching by showing instead of like kind of walking you through it like most tutorials do. I think that's why these games are so popular is because they don't have these standard tutorials. Like when you first start out the games, they'll have like a couple of messages and stuff that'll tell you like, oh, the standard stuff. So this is how you move. Like if you creep up behind somebody, you can do a visceral attack, all sorts of stuff. But like they don't actually have this easy tutorial section, which once again sets them apart from every other game. Every other game is like, okay, the beginning of the game is going to be super easy. And Dark Souls and Demon Souls, these Souls-like games, they're just like, fuck you, figure it out. Like, you could do it. They kind of like, they don't hold your hand and they believe in you. Yeah. And it's not really something that was in their, like, for lack of a better term, developer DNA. Uh, I, I know I'm, I know I'm like going back, but like, they developed some like of my favorite games before I even knew who from software was like um, there was this JRPG on Xbox. They developed some really cool stuff on 360, like um, Chrome Hounds, Enchanted Arms, Ninja Blade, uh, the Tenchu game I mentioned earlier and Armored Core for Answer. I played all of those games. So there's something really cool about those games because I, I don't even remember Chrome Hounds. I remember Chrome Hounds. Um, I don't know if you ever played that one, but it also had like a very similar type of thing where it's like, uh, you know what? Figure it out. And I was like, what? <laughs> I just got to learn. Like, I, I love that they seem to have been, that seems to like be their pedigree in games, which I think is really cool. But um, all right. So we played Dark Souls. I played Demon Souls. Uh, you seem to have more familiarity with Souls 2 and 3. Which is interesting because uh, I guess did you start with three and go to two, or did you go there? Did you start with two and then go to three? No, I started with two. Um, I was actually like three. I played when it originally came out because I like I moved and I lived actually with my friend who was super into Souls like games, but. I started with two afterwards because I played like a a little bit on the PS3. The same friend had like, I think he uh, lent me his copy of Dark Souls, but he gave me his copy of Dark Souls 2 because one he loved and the other one he absolutely despised. He was one of those guys who like hated Dark Souls 2 because of what Mm. it changed from the original Dark Mm. Souls and he thought it was too easy. So He was just like, fuck it. You can have my copy. Like, I don't want to play it anymore. So I started playing Dark Souls 2 and I 
I think it's a good entry point to the series. And I see why people say that it's easier because having played like a small bit of Dark Souls and a, a like a decent amount of Dark Souls 3, like playing those two games and then comparing my experience to Dark Souls 2, it is so much easier. Like the, the first boss being a giant is super easy. It's very slow. It's pretty clunky for the most part. And like, it also has the mechanic of uh, if you kill an enemy enough times in the area, it kind of gives you that nice little nudge by no longer spawning that enemy. And like dark souls two did so much to actually kind of like help out the player, which made souls fans super annoyed because they're the good, good bros. But yeah, I played a lot more of Dark Souls 2. I got decently into it, of course. I went back to my tanking roots. I just went with uh, the knight to start out with. I used the broadsword, and then I really got into great shields, and I really fell in love with great shields and using a two-hand because I just think that aesthetic is so cool, like slowly swinging a two-handed sword with one hand. Um, Extremely Mm. slow, though. It's excessively slow. Um, and I just loved so much about Dark Souls 2. I loved like these large bosses that reminded me of like Goliaths from different anime. And specifically, like one of the bosses in Dark Souls 2 is this large, like a uh, golden clad knight that just basically f- just wrecks you. It's so fast. And the only way I could beat it is I tanked and I summoned a minion that was a spellcaster. And it ended up like I tanked the boss and I kited it around and it fired at mm-hmm. it with different spells. But that boss specifically reminded me of my childhood watching an anime called Kiba that I loved so much. And one of the characters mm-hmm. in it had a summon that looked exactly like that boss. It was so weird to me. So it's like, this odd mix of nostalgia, but also like bringing in my like love of Japanese culture and like the the tropes of anime with these larger than life bosses. I just really fell in love with that. So when Dark Souls 3 came out, I just had to play it. There was like no way I wasn't going to. And then it crushed my ass. It just wrecked me. So that's cool. I think that I think that these games are I think one of their calling cards is if if this game had two calling cards, I suppose it would be their difficulty, but it would also be their focus on um, their bosses. The bosses are known for being a lot tougher than I guess your average video game bosses. And I mean, I, one of the bosses that I guess, I guess all three of them really have really interesting, like opening bosses, but like the asylum demon from dark souls, um, the tower knight from demon souls and um, the guy in three that, you know, he's like a, he's also like a silver knight. And then he, he blows up into like this thing. He's kind of a weird name. I forgot what his name is, but they just disgusting. All very easy monster. to. Exactly. Yeah. Like when he gets down to like a certain level of health, he becomes this like super gross thing. And, you know, I, I'm glad you like dark souls too, because that game can be a little bit divisive between the fandom. Um, I think that uh, that game has really good bosses. Um, there's the Pursuer from Dark Souls 2. I don't know if you remember him. I thought he had like the super cool moveset where he's like kind of levitating off the ground and he has like this huge shield and this like Gladius type sword. And he just like, char- like he does like an anime charge for better or worse, you know, which I think is like super cool. And um, 
I don't know. I think they all have like really iconic design. Like like they're gargoyles from um one and um the looking glass knight from two. I think I think those are really cool too. But uh, one other thing I wanted to mention was um I think a while ago I described Dark Souls to somebody, Demon Souls, Souls Likes in general, and it felt like the it felt like if Japan made an action RPG about the Middle Ages. Because it definitely doesn't feel like the Middle Ages. It's very stylized in a certain way. And it, you can almost kind of feel like the tethers of the game wanting to go full bore and full Japanese. Like that's, I mean, I guess that's why we got Sekiro. But the game always <laughs> felt kind of creepy, right? Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. It does have this like this ominous presence to it. It's always like really, really dark. And I love seeing clips of Dark Souls where people walk through with like torches and they, you know, aren't little bitch boys like uh, some of us. And like and that's me, by the way, and just turn up the brightness on their console so you could see everything. But (laughs) how they just randomly come across this like googly eyed demon looking monster and they're just like, nope. And they run back. Yeah, they they always are like, they're so bleak and so hopeless. And I love that about Dark Souls. Like, it's not one to hold your hand and you have the same experience as a player as the world is having where like their stories are incredibly bleak and they're basically like in the shittiest time that they could be in and you're slowly making things better by like going through and defeating these bosses. And the same thing happens to you as a player. Yeah. It's like your experience of the game is so bleak in the beginning where you just get your ass pounded by this random boss in the beginning of the game. And then as you begin to notice more and more and you have to memorize these boss patterns, it begins to like lighten up and you become like this more seasoned player that understands uh, like certain moves and stuff like that. I, I really love Dark Souls for that fact. Like I love its ominous nature. I also love the patterns that you kind of you can kind of gleam between all three different games. Um, one thing I always used to look forward to whenever the games were coming out, which was like a really cool time, was seeing all of the different dragon iconography in the games. Because even in Dark Souls one with like the ancient dragon god, or not not Dark Souls one, Demon Souls, you know, it started with that, and then you know there was the red kite dragon, the blue kite dragon from from one and and two, and the gaping dragon, which was a really cool boss stone dragon ancient dragon and then like the hardest one of all to to be which was uh, dark eater madir from um the dlc um from i think dark souls 3 it was um so yeah it, it has like this like very medieval japan tries medieval in hell sort of like vibe to it and i think that's really cool and then and then they shifted everything. And then they were like, oh, okay, I guess we're kind of fundamentally finished with this entire aesthetic. And then they made Bloodborne, which I don't know if you've played. Have you played Bloodborne? Yeah, yeah, I've played a little bit of Bloodborne. It's like, it's extremely hard and I want to play more of it. It's something that like I don't currently own. So I either have to re- re-up my PlayStation Plus or just buy Bloodborne. Um but I love it mm. a lot. I started playing Bloodborne um, when it first came out, and I was super excited about it. And then continued. I like took a took a break for a while and came back um, 
not too long ago, like last year, I started playing Bloodborne again because I really wanted to get into the comics and I thought they were so cool. So I was like, I got to play the game and I absolutely love it's like gothic, like Lovecraftian horror. I think it's so cool. And finding like reading the lore of Bloodborne is so interesting, including like random npcs that you can interact with where like you in the the original city like the the beginning of bloodborne you think you actually save a little girl but when you find out she actually got eaten by like this demonic pig and it's the most disgusting and creepy thing ever and then you can fist a pig so it's very weird um but yeah it's definitely my favorite of um Oh, no, I was going to say it's definitely uh, my favorite of the of the mainline four. Um, so much so that it took me two years, but damn it, I did it. I got the platinum on the PlayStation 4 in Bloodborne. Uh, it was awesome, but it was incredibly difficult, um, mainly because of the mainline chalice dungeons, which are kind of a slog and just oppress- oppressively, oppressively difficult, um, especially some of the random um, states you can get in where you only have half your health and you have to fight something that has full health. Boy, I tell you, it's 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 not an easy time. But yeah, Bloodborne, there was oh man, that is a game that just I mean, given, you know, from's pedigree, I had to try it. I tried it. Man, I it's really hard to go back from that because um like the full on, like aggressive but yet also tactical nature of the combat kept me coming back and back and back and back. And then like, oh man, the monster design. Especially like there was this like snow like castle level and there was like these like giant mosquito like juan the ring looking creatures it was super scary and then like the really tall like uh dudes with like the crosses and they were holding them and then halfway through the game after you kill the spider the game gets all horror like horrible and then there's these things on the buildings and then oh man you collect umbilical cords and then you fight the moon presence and then Dude, that game is literally a masterpiece. And I know like a lot of people say that, but man, that game really hits that special sauce. And to this day, it's probably the best Souls. No, it's probably. Yeah, it's probably the best from software game, in my opinion. Um, And I think, you know, whenever they uh, whenever they came out with um, I'm trying to think, what was that VR game that they were going to make or actually ended up making? Yeah, everyone, I remember the talk around that game being, um, you know, does this have something to do with the Bloodborne universe? Because so many fans of the game are really hungry for more content outside of, like, the Old Hunters DLC, which was awesome. Like, that game also touches on this, I hate saying this word, Eldritch Horror. That's really (laughs) cool. Even, like, down, even down to, like, a fish village and stuff. I hate the word Eldritch. It's just, I don't know. But anyway, because um, I guess it sounds like my name. It just maybe it's just why yeah, I was like, it so that's much. A, a weird word to hate, but okay. <laughs> Let me tell you. No, it's, it was, man, it's, it's really cool. Like, um, that game, oh my God, I, I really liked it though. So, did you ever end up finishing it or getting around to the Child's Dungeons or did you kind of drop off it or? No, like I said, there's really not a single Souls-like game, whether it was literally developed by From Software or oh, just yeah. in the genre, that I have ever beaten. Sure. Just because of like taking a break from it and then coming back and not knowing how to fight. And the fact that Father Gascon, like the first boss in fucking 
and Bloodborne. Uh, if you didn't fight the cleric, so he's, hard. he's such an asshole. I don't understand Dude, why he's, he's so, so hard. hard. But it's like it's a like, good but it's like a good hurt. Yeah, that's true. And like once you honestly he's so easy once you master the parry mechanic, but I ended up like boning myself yeah. because I would try like he would lunge for me. I would shoot my gun and he would get stunned, but I would still think he was coming after me. I hadn't seen that, so I would do a dodge back. And then mm. I when I go to stab him, he'd get up and I'm like, "Damn it." And then he'd yeah. totally wreck me. I know. Um, yeah, he's a he's a that, definite like rhythm difficulty spike. Yeah, absolutely. Something that I loved so much about Bloodborne that was later actually translated into Dark Souls three um, was actually the like, and I don't know necessarily. Like I said, I didn't get super into Dark Souls one or two. I got further into two, but I might not have seen these. But Bloodborne brought in not only this more like um, this this faster paced. Uh, the combat, but what it brought in that was later translated was the transformation of weapons was so fucking cool. How you could get your mm -hmm. like normal hacksaw yeah. and then you could flick it with like L1 and it becomes this larger like saw. I thought that was so cool. And getting Kirk hammer and slotting it inside this gigantic piece of like hammer on your back. And then it's genius. Oh, it's genius, dude. Yeah, it's amazing. And it like it's that perfect like leeway between you always wanted to play a knight, but you want to be fast. You don't want to be weighed down by something like a great sword, yeah. but then you can both have your broadsword and a great sword. You get the best of both worlds. And then in Dark Souls 3, we got that with these like relic weapons that then allowed you like uh from the abyss washers, you can make the great sword and you basically like uh you choose to use like two hands with it you dual wield in a sense with it and then you've got these combos that yeah. both use like stamina and mana but it's a massive combo that's completely different than any other weapon that you could use before it's so cool i apologize for earlier i might have mentioned uh the timeline of being like bloodborne came out after dark souls three. I always do that for some reason. I always think like the games, the souls games came out like boom, 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 but I forget it's more dark souls, dark souls Two, bloodborne. And then exactly one year later, dark souls three comes out. So I apologize to anybody listening. I'm sure that was super frustrating, but yeah, no, you're <laughs> right. That is like, that is a really incredible, like, um, design concept of and, and And the cool part was it wasn't necessarily that each of the weapons that, the weapon turned into was like a higher version of the previous weapon. It was a completely different type of thing. And then you combine it with different types of guns and two slots. And so it's essentially the fact that, you know, you have like four weapons and two guns. Right. And I think my main thing I used maybe for like 60% of the, my first playthrough was the stake was the stake in the arm, which I thought was beyond cool. And then like he pumps it and becomes stronger and electric. Oh man. That game just had a super cool factor and it really fits into FromSoft's um, just overall game philosophy about tough, but fair and also making the player feel cool, which I think is something I think that's just a huge part of their philosophy going into these games that I think a lot of uh, a lot of games don't do that well, um, because while Souls and Bloodborne, they're very fair. 
they make the player feel powerful in certain segments. And sometimes they take the power away from the player, but more often than not over the course of maybe like a boss battle or two, the player starts to feel that again. They start to feel like, Oh no, I got this right. I was actually, re- I was actually playing through streets of rage four for the first time last week and maybe the week before. And it was one of those situations where I felt super powerless all, all the time because the enemies I think feel really cheap in that game. And over four iterations, souls games and bloodborne has just somehow dodged the cheap factor but they've maintained the challenge factor which is really cool um so i thought i mean you know i i never i never felt like they were too difficult yeah what what you're bringing up with this like cheap but fair uh process in this like perfect uh this perfect measure of both is like we're eventually going to talk about these like souls like games, games that are within the genre, but not developed by from software games like Elex and like outward and Lords of the fallen. These games try to do the same thing where they have like that. They try to have that same level of difficulty, but also fair. And they often fall short and are just way too difficult at times or like not difficult enough and feel too arcadey. Like it's, it's kind of a perfect balance and one step too far the wrong way, your game just kind of falls apart for the most part. Like at the moment I'm playing outward and it's in like, it has the difficulty curve of like a dark souls game, but it's combat is like clunky and slow and it makes it super unfair to where it's like i honestly there's Mm. no way for me to predict this guy's movement because one my stamina bar does not come back fast and two like the movements are so slow that even if i could see it coming i see that pattern like there's no way i can get out of the way of it and yeah, Dark Souls and, and Souls-like games uh, developed by From Software are perfect for that reason. Like, yeah, they have this jank and it becomes a feature, but that's because their games are just so fair. Like, they might seem unfair at times, but then once you find out how to beat a boss, you understand their patterns, then you realize that, no, it's completely fair. Like, as long as you're a little bit faster and you dodge or you use the right weapon, you can beat them. It's not impossible. Exactly. Um, you know, and, and that is just the I, yeah, I couldn't ask for a better uh, segue into the realm of souls likes. I, I think we may have spent about 45 minutes talking about from software games, which I feel like that's what they're owed. But now you bring up outward. Now, I've never played outward. I've seen some gameplay videos of it. But if I recall, I don't remember that game being reviewed quite well. What made you uh, what made you want to play this one in particular? Um, I watched probably Jacob's review on YouTube and I really, really enjoyed a lot of the stuff that he hit on, which is like this sense of exploration and this like a really novel magic system that's completely different than a lot else where it's like use runes to combine to make magic spells. It's not like just straightforward where like in Dark Souls you have like a fireball or you have this, uh, you have like dart spells and stuff like that instead in outward you can unlock the ability to use those but if you want to use like a fireball spell you have to use certain fire runes in succession to then use fireball and i thought that was so interesting 
Um, and that like overall mm. sense of wide open adventure. Like you could just, uh, after you get out of the first town, it's just like, do whatever the fuck you want. And that made me so interested in it. But the combat is just so hard to deal with. Like I just started to, to realize where my niche is in this game since, I find the melee combat somewhat unfair. I just now realized that using a bow is like my perfect niche. I dodge out of the way. I get a little bit back and I shoot a bow. But at the moment, I can only hold 15 arrows. And I don't know if I can increase that. And it's so annoying. So, and yeah. You're I actively like playing this one like right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, um, I remember from the gameplay videos that it seemed a lot more open than Souls. It it didn't it felt it it kind of replaced the corridor sensation you would feel in like a Souls game with, you know, very wide open. I guess Dragon Quest Inquis Dragon Quest Dragon Age Inquisition based, you know, like open world sections, which I think was was pretty cool. But obviously, like the game reviewed kind of poorly, so it kind of drifted away from that. But you know what it does remind me of? And I don't think you've played this one, but you might, you're probably familiar with it somewhat, is uh, Lords of the Fallen, which was a, which was a uh, Souls-like, game, Souls-like game that uh, I think actually just got announced would be getting a sequel, which I am actually personally excited for. That game was cool because, uh, and I don't, I don't think it's a perfect game. I think it was, one of the, it was one of the early imitators. If I'm not mistaken, it came out, in like 2013 or 12 or something like that. 2014. But it was cool because 2014. So yeah, it was one of the earlier, I guess, tri- like replicants of like the souls type thing. But it was really cool because it was really like, it let you play around a lot with like really cool looking armor. And it felt <sighs> everything kind of had like a really good weight to it because all the armor looked fairly heavy and, you know, whenever you roll, it, I mean, you really roll, dude. You roll. Like, it was cool. Like, the combat felt kind of chunky and not perfect. Um, obviously, like, you know, there's no storyline in this game. But the combat was 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 pretty interesting. And I think the game still beautiful to this day, I think, especially with some of, like, the, the, the lighting. And I think if, you know, if the second one comes out, maybe on Series X or PS5 with some ray tracing, I think for fans of Fashion Souls, you know, I think it's one of the one of the cool ones. You'd never got around to that one though, I don't think. No, uh-uh. I I played like technically I have played it, but literally like 10 or 20 minutes and I felt that it was a little bit more arcadey and the combat didn't feel as fluid, so I just like put it down and never went back to it. I think I got it on like PlayStation Plus or something like that, but I do want to get back into it. Um just because I'm really hankering for like a souls like game. And I, I wanted to get so much more into them because there's an MMO called new world coming out from Amazon studios that has like quote unquote souls like Mm -hmm. combat. And I like wanted to get really into these games so that when I built my PC, I could play this MMO and then it got delayed until like September. And I was like, fuck. So now I got more time. Yeah. Yeah, I know. On the on kind of like the exact inverse of Lords of the Fallen, we have a, a faster game that I think you've played the sequel to, and I've played the original one too. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Neo by uh, Ninja Theory. Uh, you have played this one, I'm assuming. Yeah, I've played Neo. Mm-hmm. I've never played Neo too, but I've played Neo. So we've both played the original one. That's perfect. Okay, so 
this is the first Souls-like game that uh, I think really frustrated me. Um, but it wasn't really throughout the uh, the main course of the campaign. Ah, I remember it being way longer than it needed to be. And I remember it being, it was kind of airing on the side of cheap with some of the combat, but it balanced it out pretty well, I would say, like with some of the uh, the, the boss battles that you can revisit and like the overall like gameplay loop of like getting cool new gear and stuff like that. Where that game falls apart, I think, um, is kind of closer to the end game and in the DLC. The DLC of that game is the first, I think, outside of... I think it was the first part of any sort of, like, combat loop in a Souls-like game that made me uninstall the game. Because at the end of DLC 1, and then there's, like, three DLCs, mind you, there is a boss that is, and was, for whatever reason, on my build, nigh impossible to beat. And uh, you couldn't really farm and get a lot stronger because like the rewards from the end game missions are so paltry. You had to like restart a new, you had to like either go start a new game, which I wasn't willing to like put another 40, 50 hours into a new game to beat this like end boss of the DLC. So I just gave up on it. But I will say that that game has a pretty cool, like first mm, 60 to 70%. Uh, what are your thoughts on Neo? How did you feel about it? How do you feel like it? Do you feel like it did service to, the Souls like genre, or did you feel like it was maybe a step back? I I personally feel like it did really well, especially in the time that it came out. Was like it came after Dark Souls three, and people were really hankering for a really solid Souls like game. And this was before like Code Vein, so people really wanted a game like this. And Neo came out yeah. and like I worked at GameStop at the time and Souls like fans were so hungry for a game like this that we literally could not stock it. Like every time we got a copy in, somebody bought it hmm. and it was crazy. So like eventually I was like, I got to find out what the hype is like. I got to I got to find out what this is all about. So I purchased Neo and I absolutely loved this like aesthetic of this like Geralt of Rivia esque character um, in like a feudal Japan <laughs> setting yeah. who becomes a samurai um, and it mixes in this like kind of this uh, this retelling of history this alternate history with also this weird like fantasy aesthetic with the yokai and your spirits and i thought that was so absolutely cool and i loved like the little spirits that you collected throughout the map that you could uh that then like stood atop your shrine and stuff like that like I love so much about Neo. I never got to the point that you're talking about, like super late game where you felt like it fell apart. Um, there were some things that I disliked about Neo um, getting to like some of the later bosses. Like people often talk about how they are like dissuaded by that first boss where it's like, or not the first boss, yeah. technically like it's the first boss, but the first one for real is like in the prison and it's super easy. Um, yeah. Then you get to like mainland oh, yeah. and you have that yokai in the boat and it's incredibly hard. But once you figure out that like all you have to do is be incredibly quick, like you have to change up your gameplay style. If you were a tanky build before, like Neo is kind of the game that like forces you to adapt to what it thinks you should be instead of like Dark Souls where like it allows you to beat things in whatever way you want. 
um neo in my opinion makes you kind of adapt to where like i was playing a more tanky like a chunky character with like a higher armor and uh like i went the like i loved how neo allowed you to choose which direction you use your sword in so like uh low was much faster but less damage out yeah, the mid was yeah the stances were like yeah. perfect for both damage and speed but then the high was high damage but low speed so i went the high stance and made myself real chunky and just got absolutely destroyed mm -hmm. by that yokai but then once you realize that like you yeah. just have to be faster. It's kind of like that moment in every anime where the, like every shonen anime where they just constantly realize that they have to go faster and faster and faster. And that's kind of <laughs> what happened to me where it was like, he eventually breaks those change and the chains and then throws the metal balls at you. And you just have to dodge them perfectly. Otherwise they like home in on your position and just eat you alive. I thought it was so cool. And I love this aesthetic of these demons in modern day or not modern day, but like feudal Japan. I thought it was so awesome. Yeah. And then it also implemented things like a, like a decent amount of ranged combat and also like the skills system where you could purchase different bits of like, um, like ninja ninjutsu and stuff like that. I thought it was so cool. And I felt mm -hmm. like, I really feel like Neo did a service, but once again, that's mostly because like I haven't gotten to the late game where you feel like it falls apart. Yeah. And it's hard to completely, you know, say a game does a disservice to itself by it falling apart at the end game. You know, a lot of games, a lot of games do that. And, but I think the biggest chunk of the game was good. I think the gameplay, like if I were to compare it to a souls game, it's definitely like this weird mix of two and bloodborne because what what neo does is it it, it you know it, it's obviously like a very it puts the player on a very linear path and more often than not the game doesn't really surprise you with enemies but you see them in these combinations in a very puzzle way like you'll see like a tengu demon with like an oni summoning thing so like you know if you go fight the tengu demon it's going to summon this like big chonky demon that you're going to have to contend with too that has its own levels of like strength and et cetera, et cetera. Right. And so you'd bust out your gun or, or your bow. And you know, if you're lucky, you can get a headshot that that part always feels really good. Um, but I think one thing that really attracted me to Neo and I'll explain also why I'm not getting Neo too. But one thing that attracted me to Neo was that it was, and might still kind of be like the closest thing I'll get to an Onimusha in recent memory, because um, I don't actually, I don't know if I've talked about it really that much with you, but it, Onimusha is by far like my favorite game series, like by far at work. Actually, funny story. I, there is an Onimusha jar where if I mention Onimusha, I have to put a dollar in, in this jar because I talk about Onimusha <laughs> all the time. And Neo was this game that kind of scratched that like um, Oni kind of itch, right? This like the, the Japanese mythological demons and, you know forests and like spiritual like shino temples and stuff like that it, so it was like really similar to that and I, I i love that i love that thing but like the reason i won't get neo 2 is because you know it does kind of look like more of the same and if i'm being 100 percent honest neo 1 like after i think 90 hours and even though i it was like two three years ago that i was playing it it really exhausted me man i just i just don't feel like i can go back i don't feel like i i've recharged after like that 
pretty intense of an experience because like the comparison I drew back, like Bloodborne, as quick as it is, and like as aggressive focused as it is, it gives you time to stop and think, right? You can you it gives you time to circle the enemy and like kind of being like, okay, well, what do I need to do? Like how aggressive do I need to be here? Do I need to like jab in, jab out? It it does have this pace. But like I've told this before, like the quickest, the best metaphor I can give for how Neo combat works is like, have you ever had like a wasp in your house and like you have like the paper towel and you got to get it really quick. That's how Neo feels. It's like super fast. Like you better hit it and get the fuck out of there or else you're going to get wrecked. It's that thing. Like it's less attritiony and more like it's fast as fuck. Like whenever you're actually like in the drowls of combat. So, and for that, I love it, but very different from Lords of the Fallen, as we were talked about earlier. So we'll move on from Neo here. Um, the next game we had on our list, it was one I wanted to talk to you about because I was curious why you were playing it or what, what drew you to it. That sounded insulting, but Alex, <laughs> I've seen game. Yeah, I was I was kind of curious, like what made you want to pick that one up? I, I I thought it looked cool. It was more it's more like fighting giant things, right? I, I wasn't actually aware that it was a souls like. Um, it's, it's toted as one in a sense, but it's not really like, so I always thought Elux was really cool because it was this like a uh, mixture of like, it's a different setting that we haven't seen in a souls like genre where, um, Elex is this like cybernetic enhanced society, but then also like this really like downtrodden, uh, like a caveman esque society next to each other. And then you have like the outlaws, which are the outlaws. Um, So I just loved that, like this whole setting where it was a mixture of like new and old world and this like much more like futuristic society. I thought that was so cool. And I really just I loved that. And I also loved the like bits of like mutation and mostly what drew me to the game was just this setting and the characters within it. Um, the fact that like yeah. it was a souls like game where I could really just use guns. Like there weren't a support weapon. I would just get guns. I thought that was so cool, but honestly it's difficulty curve is ridiculous. Like you can be fighting. It's kind of like technomancer. Oh. Like you can be fighting just the normal of technomancer. Yeah. Technomancer. You could you could be fighting just whoever, like the lowest of the <laughs> low and still get your ass pwned. Like, and it doesn't make any sense. They're just so right. strong for no reason. And you're so weak. So I, I played a decent amount of Elex, but ended up like dropping off with it because I was just sick of getting my ass eaten for absolutely no reason. Yeah. Like I was like, I'm stronger than you. How do you keep beating me? And then just like randomly throughout the map, there would be somebody that's like, it's literally impossible for you to beat them. Like, even if you tried, there's no way you will because you cannot do enough damage that they like won't just heal or they won't do anything like to, to save themselves. It was, it was just cheap. That's what I mean by like, uh, from software, like souls, like games, the, the actual soul series and bloodborne, they feel they're hard, but they are fair. Elex, mm-hmm. on the other hand, just took the hard dial and crammed it up, like broke the dial. And they're just like, yeah, fairness, whatever. Like, you can figure it out. 
It kind of looks like uh, Outward, but with um, a jetpack. Yeah, that's uh, very similar. With the exception of like Outward, you could just do whatever you want, where Elex has like a more, yeah. like it has a branching storyline where you can join multiple different factions and do all sorts of stuff, and it has awesome side quests. Um, so it's much more straightforward than Outward, but yeah, pretty much. It's got chunky combat as well. Did you ever play Too Human on Xbox 360? Very little. Not not really any. Uh, okay. Like I I okay. I've I, always I, thought I that win. it looked so cool. And then later on when I tried to go yeah. back to it, it was like a couple years ago and I was like, this just looks bad. I can't. It's just it's not good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would I would I, I would garner to wage that Elix probably gets a little bit of design inspiration from Too Human. What with the combination of like old um an, an old aesthetic with cybernetic stuff, but that's neither here nor there. Alex didn't really review that well. Um, moving on, we're going to dial up the uh, technology um, dial, I guess, uh, to 11. Uh, you played the Surge 2, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, I've been playing it recently on Xbox Game Pass because it's like part of their like Windows 10 oh. if you have it on PC. I've been playing it through there. I honestly, I really enjoy it. Um, I feel like it's overcomplicated for the most part. Like it has so many systems in it that it just seems like bloated. But I do mm-hmm. think that it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the cybernetic setting. I think that's so cool. And I love that it has this like yeah. really heavy reliance on crafting Um, where like in souls games where you would get souls and like, sometimes you'd purchase new items or you would like upgrade a single item kind of a thing. Um, you would use those souls to do all of that, including level up in the surge. You do a very similar thing or the surge too, because I haven't played the surge, but you do a very similar thing where you use tech scrap to like, uh, augment, like level up and you use it to like, uh, build up your gear, but then you also use it to craft and you do all sorts of stuff with it. Mm -hmm. It's, it's very interesting. I mean, technically I feel like you use a very little amount of it to craft and you actually use like parts by like, let's say you want to make a leg. You have to, first you have to get the actual, like, uh, the plan to make that leg. So you have to cut off somebody's leg who has that leg, which is like, it has a limb targeting system that gets super annoying because aiming at somebody's leg is near impossible because you have to consistently adjust it. Otherwise it'll go for the body for some reason It's super annoying, but you cut off their leg. And then after you kill them, you can pick up that, that like plan. You can then build that leg and you can upgrade that leg, but to build and upgrade that leg, you have to cut off more people's legs to get the specific type of tech scrap that is meant to build legs. It's like, it's really weird, but I love the limb targeting system in it. And as far as I've gotten, it hasn't had these like larger than life Goliath bosses. Like I imagine there might be a few throughout the game, but so far it's just fighting like human, like cybernetically enhanced people. And like they have like a little bit of tech that's definitely more powerful than mine, but it's not like I'm fighting a giant. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I, that's what, that's, more or less what I heard about um, the surge two was that it did have, it, it felt a little bloated, but there were some cool systems in there. And that actually 
you know, it, I'm glad you said, I'm glad you brought up the, the systems part of that because the games we have been talking about have been more or less like kind of one-to-one design implementations of the souls uh, formula, but there's plenty of games out there like, you know, that just kind of take a segment from traditional souls games and put it in their game. Right. And so this kind of brings me to um, games like Absolver, which was like zoomed in third person Kung Fu Souls. I'm not sure if you played this. Um, it was um, I played it on PS4 a few years back, maybe about two years ago. It was cool. I liked it a lot, um, but it took the uh, it took the bonfire mechanic from Souls and put it in a third person Kung Fu game, kind of like Jade Empire, if you remember that one from Xbox. And I thought it was really interesting. Uh, but one that you and I have played, one that you and I have both played, kind of just took the 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 boss, I guess, sort of thing from um, not only Shadow of the Colossus, but also the uh, respawn element from Dark Souls, jammed them together and made a baby called Titan Souls, which is a game that I've always thought was super fascinating because it was one of the first indie Souls-likes. You've played Titan Souls. What do you think of Titan Souls? I honestly, I adore Titan Souls. I love the fact that it's like all about precision. Oh, yeah. Like you can, you, it's, it's like a boss rush game. So you can die and respawn incredibly quickly, but it's all about just testing out new mm-hmm. strategies. And the coolest thing about it is that there's literally only one way to kill a boss and you have one arrow and you have to hit a boss in a very specific way. So like you get hit once you die, awesome. they get hit once they die. And I love that that's like, it's, it's, it's so fair in a sense. Like once you figure out how to kill them, you're super squishy, but once you figure out how to kill them, they're dead. Like there's, there's not this like yeah. long drawn out fight or anything like that. Like, Something that I thought was so cool about Titan Souls is that you have to really work to figure out how to actually kill a boss. Like, it's not about necessarily memorizing boss patterns, which you have to do to just avoid their, like, attacks. But you then have to realize Mm -hmm. what, like, what they're trying to guard. Like you, you have to re, you have to figure out like what exactly is that small gap in their armor where you can hit them Mm -hmm. with your freaking solo arrow just a single arrow that you constantly have to pull Mm -hmm. back to you with like telekinesis it's so cool and i remember like fighting one of the bosses in titan souls um usually i would come at them with like a direct attack just try to like dodge 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 until i see their opening and then shoot it but instead there's a mask that you actually like it's always facing you and you can't actually kill it from the front so i was constantly trying to shoot my arrow behind it and then retract it and see if i could hit it from behind and it's just so cool titan souls was like it's like you said it took one very singular like piece that took this small piece of dark souls with this like very precision focused combat and like the their unique checkpointing system and stuff like that and they put it in a game that's just it's it's fair it's perfect it's super fun and it's very quick like you can drop in drop out you kill a few bosses it's whatever like it's just fun to play yeah, I, I, I particularly enjoyed that game on PlayStation 4 and the Vita, which uh, is definitely one of the hallmarks, I think, for the system. It, it felt really good to play. 
uh, it's really hard to talk about D- Titan Souls without mentioning its like incredible like top down two D art style. I, I always just want to give a shout out because if if people haven't played that game, I think it's it it does a lot of things right. Like you said, um, it's also like it approaches each boss fight as a puzzle, and it's also very rhythm based. It's it's I think a lot of DNA that indie developers kind of threw into their games that could be considered souls likes come from kind of the DNA that Titan souls has in the way of the stressful nature of holding down. I think it was B no, not B obviously not a circle to get the arrow back. And you have to like, you really just have to hope that you don't get hit. I think games like hollow Knight, which I think you you've, you've played a good chunk of do have kind of the same stressful thing that it does where you know you have to hold a to regain health in the early parts of the game and that's really stressful because you just have to hope you don't get hit you know and then titan souls just lots of really hallmark boss battles um i think one of my favorite ones in particular was probably the goo battle or the one where the hands are kind of slamming down that reminded me of um the ocarina of time shadow temple boss which i thought was really cool i think it was like a probably an homage but uh yeah no um kind of segueing over to hollow knight um i'm about a grand two hours into that game but i wanted to bring it up because to me i think it's uh while it is supposedly the perfect metroidvania it also the opening i guess two sections of the game remind me really heavily of dark souls one with not only like the whole like, oh, I died, I'm back, you know, basically like the benches are bonfires, but the game kind of also has a very similar loneliness to it. And they both share the exact same topography of a second, quote unquote, second, depending on which way you go about it. I guess the more popular progression path of Dark Souls 1 is to go to the to the forest. And then, you know, obviously in hollow Knight you go to a forest and I think there's some DNA there that's to be shared. Um, did you like hollow Knight? Uh, are you still playing through it or, uh, where are you at with hollow Knight? I absolutely adore hollow Knight. It's one of my favorite games of all time. I once again have not beaten it. Like that's a crazy thing about me is that I love video games, but I've never beaten them. But, um, I, I adore Hollow Knight. I think it's so amazing. I love the art style. I love the like 2D hand-drawn art. I love the characters. Quirrell, specifically my favorite. My boy, he ain't dead. You can fuck off if you say he is. Let's be real here. But um, I love <laughs> so much about Hollow Knight. Like it's, it's really dreary aesthetic where like you go through and it's all like super rainy. And even in the fungal grove where it's like much more like lively, it's still, you're a lone knight going along and you eventually find like uh, corpses of your fellow like vessels. And it's so interesting and so cool. And it has these like uh, larger than life bosses, but then it also has much more subdued bosses. Like when you fight Hornet and It's just so interesting. And I love that it's a different take on like a scene where typically with like fantasy settings and stuff like that, we would see like, oh, it's a literal night. It's a human night. But instead, this is a game about fucking bugs and like weird worm gods and (laughs) this like moth that somehow infects people's minds. Like it's so interesting and so cool. 
the thing I love most about Hollow Knight is honestly it's lore and it's really subdued approach to uh, storytelling where like if you want to know and that's something I love about all Souls like games. But like if you want to know about the game, you have to actually put in the time to learn about the game. It's not just going to straight up tell you it's not like and this isn't a criticism because I love these games, but it's not something like uh, like a Naughty Dog game. It's not like The Last of Us or Uncharted where like you get the story right in your face instead it's like you have to look into item descriptions you have to like read uh like lore tablets you have to do all sorts of stuff to learn about this world like it is incredibly rewarding if you actually spend the time to look into it and i love Mm -hmm. that's like a hallmark of souls like games in general is that if you spend the time to learn how to get through the game it's incredibly rewarding and it feels unlike any other games you might've played. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, thanks for touching on hollow Knight. Um, I guess in, in such detail, I wish I could, like I said, I'm only two hours in, but like one thing I can touch on is, yeah, I really just love the setting and like the, the weird thing that it's like bug based and stuff like that. I, I, I don't know. I haven't really seen that in too many other games. Like just that, uh, the lore and like the, the creepiness of it, I guess, as far as like the themes of it go, I'm excited to play a lot more of it. And uh, I'm sure I'll be uh, texting you whenever I kind of get to some hallmark moments in that game. The, Honestly, the, one I'm of the stoked. last games I wanted to come out. Like Hollow Knight the, has this, oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, like, Oh, sorry. I just want to say one more thing. Hollow Knight is like yeah. where we've talked about how dark souls is so bleak and everything. And I did say that hollow Knight is one thing that hollow Knight kind of has among a lot of these other souls like games is where they go so far bleak that it feels hopeless versus hollow Knight. It feels like loving, like you, you develop relationships with characters and you see that they aren't hopeless. They mm-hmm. actually like haven't given up like Quirrell and Hornet and like Elderbug and, there's so many like Zote, the mighty, like there are so many weird quirky characters that have yet to actually give up on life in hollow nest. And I think that's so awesome. Um, versus games like, like dark souls. Yes, it does happen. We meet people that have yet to actually give up on life, but it's much more like it's much more skewed toward people just giving up than hollow Knight is. So, be prepared to meet some characters that you're going to fall in love with. Just letting you know. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think already I, I can see how that, how that's a thing. Um, one, one game I did want to jump into really quickly. And I know it's kind of going back to the whole like Japanese aesthetic that we were already talking about, but it's on, it's on our list to talk about, even though I haven't played it, but it is Sekiro shadows die twice. And it's a game that obviously I'm going to get to at some point um, once I kind of recharge the souls like energy. But I really I feel like I've seen so much gameplay of this game that I'm not in too much of a rush to play it. Now, I know you've played it. Um, we'll kind of dive into you know how far you got and all that. I just think that um, I think it looks really cool. I like the uh, I definitely like the gameplay of it as far as like. From what I've seen so far, the parry, na- the parry based nature of it seems challenging and rewarding. I don't think it looks as fantastical as Neo. And I feel like the environment and kind of like the enemies leaves a little bit uh, up to the imagination. I think that it could be a little more 
colorful and stuff, but it's gotten some pretty high marks as we know, like it, I, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure there was game of the year last year, which is a really, really incredible accolade now that we don't have E3. So did you play it? I know you said you've never beaten a souls game, but uh, how'd you feel about it? It looks kind of like this, like definite mix of souls three and bloodborne in a Japanese environment. I mean, people like people I really respect love this game so much. Like Tamor Hussein from GameSpot, I I consider him an authority in Souls-like games because he loves them so much. And he really like dives deep into the lore and loves a lot of the similar stuff that I do about them. He loves this game and feels like uh, I think it's probably I think he says like it's a tie between Bloodborne and Sekiro for being the best Souls games. I'm going to be honest. I don't like Sekiro, but that's not because it's a bad game. Mm. I absolutely like, I want to play more of it and I want to love it so much. But like when I talked about like Neo, I said that Neo makes you conform to the way that it wants you to fight a boss. What, what Mm -hmm. Sekiro does is it makes you conform to the way that it wants you to fight literally everything where it has a combat Mm. style that's all about parrying and blocking and slowly wearing down people's defenses and then doing large visceral strikes to take out portions of their health. And I, like like I said, I'm not good at parrying. I'm not good at that. (laughs) I don't do that well. Mm. So this is like the exact opposite of what I would enjoy, to be honest. But I love the fact that like, we are no longer playing a samurai. Like it's not a samurai game. It's not, um, it technically is in feudal Japan, but once again, you're not a samurai. You're not a knight. You're not like, uh, an archer, like in Titan souls. Um, you're not one of these straightforward fighters. Instead, you're a shinobi. You're a fucking ninja. And that is so cool. Like the fact that you have this ninja prosthetic on your arm because your arm gets cut off, which is totally crazy. And it's a, it's a crazy moment in the story. Um, you then get this like crazy arm that like stows different types of like ninja tools, like shuriken and all sorts of other stuff. I think that's so cool. Um, and I love that like levels are no longer like super linear where you're no longer going through tight corridors. Instead, it's all about like rushing onto different buildings and attacking from above. It's very specifically ninja focused. Um, versus all mm-hmm. of these other souls like games, but I really, really just do not like parrying. I don't like it. It's not something I'm good at. So eventually I feel like given enough time, uh, I could like enjoy Sekiro, but right off the bat, I just don't, I don't like that gameplay. Um, it's just not my favorite. Like I love, um, I believe I played like Tenchu Z on 360, I believe is what it was. And it reminds me a lot of that where it's like, yeah, exactly. It's like super ninja focused and you're going on top of buildings and it's about like stealthily assassinating people. Um, Sekiro is similar to that, but when you have to like straight up fight people, I find it excessively annoying, but that's not saying it's a bad game. Once again, I honestly think it's a great game. It's just not a gameplay. Like it's not an approach to gameplay that I personally enjoy. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, it, it, it's telling that I, for whatever reason, I, I never picked up Sekiro and I, I don't want to blame it on Neo. But I feel like Sekiro came out a little bit too soon and kind of in between Neo and Neo 2. And then, you know, 
if you're if you kind of keep up with AAA games, you know, you you see Ghost of Tsushima on the horizon, and and then you kind of start to get uh, a little bit, maybe a little bit Japanese fatigued uh, as far as like game settings go, and maybe that's why I haven't picked it up. Um, I mean, like I've said, you know, I've seen you know probably about three, four, five hours worth of gameplay on it. The bosses, you know, looks like standard Souls fare, but you know, I don't see any bosses that really stick out and I don't want to trash on the game because the traversal effects look really cool as far as like the grappling hook. And like you said, like the arm based stuff looks really cool as well, but it doesn't look like it really hits on anything too spectacularly. Like it doesn't look like it does any of the cool weapon system stuff from, um, from bloodborne. And it doesn't really seem to have a very cool, I, I, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't strike me as, as innovative as it's, uh, as its forefathers, I suppose one could say. And so maybe that's why I skipped it up until now. I don't know. I, I don't, hmm. I don't really know if it's necessarily like less innovative because I do feel like it's a complete departure from what souls like games were beforehand. Like they, they typically aren't about like sneak kills and yes, you can parry, but that's a, that's a choice. Like if you're fast enough, you can like this game, I feel like, it is like it innovates on the combat. It forces you to do something specific, something that I don't like, but it is something very specific. And Mm -hmm. it also forces you to really pay attention to bosses because there is like where uh, in, in souls like games or something like Titan souls or something like that, like you have to focus. There's only one way to kill a boss. That's very similar to Ni or not Neo, uh, Sekiro, where like there are certain bosses in this game that you can only kill a certain way and you might not actually pay attention to it. So like, sure, you only have like one or two weapons throughout the entire game. So there's not a whole lot of variety, but you do end up fighting bosses that like fucking send lightning bolts after you. And if you don't notice that there is actually a certain ability that you can use to absorb lightning, then you would just get wrecked by that boss over and over and over again. And it's like, it's so interesting. Um, And I love the story and the lore about it. I think the dragon rot is super cool that like the, the blood that flows through your, like, uh, like your, I want to say owner, but not really. Um, like the person that you're bound to the blood that flows through their veins is the reason that you can be reborn. But as you become like, as you are reborn over and over again, there's actually a lasting like problem that you are creating because you keep dying. I think that's so cool. And I think that game is so interesting because of it. Like there's a problem that you are creating because you suck. Essentially. I think it's so cool. But I suck so much that it's like that problem becomes so like insurmountable. It's just so big that I'm like, I don't I don't know if I want to play this. I think that particular gameplay mechanic in Sekiro definitely draws some inspiration and some shades from Demon Souls with its white and black world tendencies. Um, I don't know if you read up on that or I have got I know you haven't played Demon Souls, so. You wouldn't know this, but yeah, every time you died, I think the uh, the game world adapted and made it even more difficult, which I think kind of lends some credence to the fact that some, you know, fans, not fans, um, new players thought that the game was overly difficult. And it, it kind of was like Demon Souls was one of those games where it looks like Sekiro also is one of those games where the more you die, the harder it gets. I mean, up, up until a certain cap, though, you wouldn't want to, you know, gatekeep, you know, 
I guess, a lack of skill. But, you know, it it's definitely one of those games where I don't know when I'm going to get it. I'm going to have to get it at some point just to say that I've completed it. But I, I don't know. Um, will I get it before Elden Ring comes out? Who's to say? I'm not 100% sure. But that is, a, I guess, a somewhat lazy segue into Elden Ring, <laughs> a game that... We don't really know too much about, I don't think. There's really only the E3 2019 trailer, uh, which is just a CG thing. Have you seen this trailer? Yeah, I watched it when it originally was like aired. Um, I thought it was interesting. I thought like the the forging of the rings was really cool, and I think like the standard fantasy aesthetic is really interesting, and I love the promise of like George R. R. Martin also working on it, but. I don't yeah. know what to believe. Like we've seen literally nothing else from this game. So I'm, I'm, I have subdued my anticipation for this game. Like I'm like, okay, this could eat shit. So I'm just going to chill for a little bit and we'll see what happens when it comes out. Cause I don't want to be disappointed in it. Yeah. I mean, a 2020 slash 2021 from software is a very different, you know, development studio than we would have seen between 2000 to 2005 where they were coming out with so many games uh, they were coming out with uh, just a boatload of games each year um but yeah now it looks like on the development plate you have this game that we don't really know too much about that kind of has souls three and one vibes to it i guess with like the blacksmith and i mean like the dude in the armor kind of resembles the stuff I guess you would see in one and three, like the CG trailers from that. It's very stylized and it's really hard to say like what this game could even be. Um, although the cool thing is we now have confirmation since this trailer came out that George R. R. Martin is a, uh, a fan of the souls games, which I guess shouldn't be surprising, but there's something a little uncomfortable about knowing that George R. R. Martin is just kind of like sitting in his probably insanely set up living room, just kind of playing through like Blighttown and shit. So that's interesting. Um, we know it's developed by From Software, and we know that Bandai Namco is publishing it, but that's really all we know about it for now. I guess I'll open up the thread uh, to you. I guess um, if I if I see this game not go through development hell, which I'm getting a slight tingle in in like my loins about this game, maybe going through a little bit of dev hell because of probably George R. R. Martin's involvement. And I don't know that can, that could spell disaster whenever you introduce a celebrity element like that. Um, I, 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 what if it, I don't know. Imagine if it's first person, like, I don't know. I hope they do something different. I hope that they don't From, just rehash souls and Yeah. Yeah, from what I understand, uh, George R. R. Martin, his like involvement with it was solely relegated to like, um, like a story consultant, like helping build the world and the lore, which I think is really cool because we all know Game of Thrones is like fucking crazy in depth. He obviously wrote the books, the like Song of Ice and Fire yeah. and others. Um, and I don't like, yeah, like the last season be damned or whatever he didn't technically write it or anything so like i'm excited it wasn't that bad yeah it's it's whatever um i'm excited for the promise of this world and the story i think it's gonna be really cool and i'm also excited to see like fans are clamoring 
for like you said another like bloodborne game or something additional to that mm-hmm. and like when Darasine first came out people thought it was hinting at bloodborne 2 in the game um and people still think that even though from software said it isn't so i think like I think the reason that it's taking so long for us to see either of these games is that they're working on them both in tandem. So I do think we are within this next, like, uh, within the next couple of years, we are going to see with these new console launches, we are going to see Elden Ring come out within the next year, I think, or not next year, but in the next like year and a half, two years. And I think Bloodborne 2 is absolutely not far behind. I think it's going to be coming within the next couple of years. I hope so. I hope you're right. I would, um, as, as, as much fatigue in the uh, Japanese soul setting that I have, I would very much welcome a, uh, Eldritch return to souls. Um, and you know, I think, I think that just about, I think just, that just about wraps up our, uh, our talk on souls likes and the soul genre, um, as a whole. Um, it was really cool. How f- how long is this episode? Uh, definitely over an hour. Like an hour for sure. Yeah, it's almost an hour and a half. <laughs> the longest industry episode. I think that's really that's really interesting. Um, and I feel like I could actually still talk about about this. And the invitation to play Souls One on Switch is out there. I'm dropping it on the plate, and it's up to you if you want to lather it up. Um, <laughs> that's on you. Um, I don't really think I have too much to say. Uh, do you have anything you want to add before I kind of go into the, the showstopper at the end there? No, I'm all good. I just want to say how much, like how much I admire this series for everything it does. Like I'm a fan of like really nitpicky shit. And I've talked about this before. I absolutely love the way it handles a lot of like small details, like the shields in it. Um, and how like when you absorb a blow with a shield, it really feels like you're doing that. They nailed like the feel of impact in these games versus like playing outward right now. I'll get hit by a sword and it's laughable how stupid it feels. It doesn't feel real. Like I get hit by it and my character barely flinches and it doesn't like I, I, there's zero impact but then in dark souls you get hit by this larger than life creature you're using a great shield and you get pushed back like you're some sort of fucking anime shonen protagonist it's so cool and i love that so much about it like however stylized it is i think it's so awesome um and yeah i love the nitty-gritty and souls is all about that with the exception of when they aren't and your sword hits a wall and your enemies doesn't and it's a real piece of shit but whatever that's a feature right if I ever get access to your tombstone, like in real life, I'm going to put loves the nitty gritty on it. No, I just wanted to um, <laughs> just say that uh, it was really cool having like your insight on these like souls likes that I have never played like Elix and um, the other one that was super weird. No. Yeah. I think you're hundred percent right. <laughs> I think like whenever, whenever you get hit in that game, it's, it's pretty perfect. Like they have just like the right amount of screen shake and you know, it, it's uh, it even does this thing where, when souls one came out you had that playground thing of like yeah but did you know you can fall on top of the uh, asylum demon i was like what the fuck what are you talking about i can fall on it and damage it and then you actually do it and it takes off so much more of its health and like the bird thing where you can like go and like you can like do this like emoticon uh in the bird nest and it'll take you back to the starting level and it was just so weird and you know what here we are we're talking about souls again i'm trying to wrap up the damn show <laughs> and I think it's I think it's really cool. 
it's cool that this game is like that. Like you can just really talk about it forever. And we didn't even dive into any of the games and here we are. So I just think that's awesome. Um, once again, thank you for uh, being my luxurious and very handsome co-host. Um, you can find this show on Eldar talks games just about everywhere. Um, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, Apple podcast, Apple music, uh, Amazon, uh, Zune, pretty much anywhere you can think of. You just type in Eldar, Talk, Eldar talks games. Uh, I know you also have two podcasts that you do. Um, if you would like to go ahead and plug them, uh, each of these episodes maybe has about 150 to 200 listeners. So, you know, hopefully some of them can go listen to some of your stuff. If you wanted to go ahead and plug it real quick. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have a couple of different podcasts. I've got uh, Indie Pod is the longest one I've had going. It's a game. It's a podcast all about indie games and their creators. I do it with my friend uh, Josh. I He's a great co-host and I absolutely love it. Of course, I've got an amazing co-host here as well. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, we Amen. talk about indie games and we run you through like the news, what games are coming out when. We talk about Kickstarter indie games. We answer really fucking weird questions. Uh, I really love that. You can find <laughs> that at IndiePod on Twitter and you can follow just IndiePod and Indie Games Podcast on any sort of podcasting service. If it isn't one, if it isn't on one where you want it to be, hit me up at Hyde Legion on Twitter and I will get it there. Um, and I also have one of my newest podcasts is Go Beyond a My Hero Academia podcast where we go through and rewatch each and every episode of My Hero Academia. Um, we deep dive into like characters. Uh, we deep dive into the story, the world. We talk about fan theories. Uh, and I now am putting out supplemental episodes where I review the new chapters and we will also have interviews with people that are connected to My Hero Academia. So I really love that and I absolutely love the two podcasts that i do i also love this one i'm so glad i finally got to talk for about souls like for an hour and a half this is a great time it was awesome it was awesome man uh once again want to thank you for uh for coming on the show thanks for plugging your awesome podcasts uh one of which i was actually just recently on which was go beyond pod so definitely go uh, check out that one i was on episode five and it was a blast that being said, um, we have another really cool episode coming next month. Uh, this is, of course, a monthly podcast about the video game industry and all of the stories here within. I uh, just wanted to say welcome to the club. And this is Eldar and Vaughn signing off. <laughs> <laughs>